Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, he's always been a tough matchup. But they've got, you know, Nelson's a big speed guy. Um, uh, Kirk is another uh, big time speed guy. So, you know, they've got a lot of weapons. Uh, you know, Gresham was with me in Cincinnati. Um, you know, uh, the other tight end, um, 86, is, is an athletic guy. Their team has a whole lot of team speed both offensively and defensively and special teams. Yeah, that's a football coach, noted football coach Mike Zimmer talking about football. So this, okay, this, I don't think this is a hot take to say, but what we thought the Buffalo game should have been for the Vikings, the Cardinals game should be for the Vikings, right? Just win win a game handily. It should be. Should be. But I am not in a uh, position following that Buffalo game to sit here and say All bets are that off now. Uh, they are going to just blow them out of the water. Josh Rosen should not play on Sunday. I wouldn't even start him if I was the Cardinals. You know what this defense is going to do with that poor kid? Yeah. You know, yeah, and that's the thing is that all of that was right to say, though, because Buffalo had given up like 40 points. Their roster is awful. They do have a couple good players on defense, and they showed that, that uh, Jerry Hughes and Tredavis White are totally legit players, and Mm -hmm. sometimes a defensive end can ruin your game plan. I was watching a football life Derek Thomas last night, and there was no guy other than Lawrence Taylor ever in history who walked out on the field and ruined game plans. It was like, oh, you thought you were going to do this, 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 and this, huh? Nope. You're getting sacked seven times in a game. And that was what Jerry Hughes basically did to the Vikings. And that could still happen here because Chandler Jones is coming in and Riley Reef's not playing. And last week, you have to give credit to Rashad Hill for trying real hard. Moving from right tackle to left tackle, I gave uh, Rashad Hill a famous quote from a former offensive lineman about... Um, taking care of certain business with your left hand versus your right hand had been compared to moving sides on the offensive line. And uh, Rashad had never heard that before, but he, he sort of tried to downplay. It's extremely, extremely difficult to move from one side to the next. And when you went back and watched the tape, they crushed him. They dominated him, the mm-hmm. Eagles did. And I would expect the same thing happens with Chandler Jones against Rashad Hill. He's not good at right tackle. He's going to be worse at left tackle. And then at right tackle is your guy who can't beat out Rashad Hill. I mean, this is a bad situation, and as long as they could keep getting the ball out quickly, yes, they've got a chance, but the Arizona Cardinals just watched them get the ball out quickly a bunch of times, and what I saw by the end of the Eagles game was Malcolm Jenkins ball hawking on those short throws, and I... I Posted the clip on the website of Malcolm Jenkins reading one of those plays and going out and blowing it up. 
I mean, they've got some players who could do the same type of thing. Patrick Peterson is another guy who will ruin your days, a seven-time Pro Bowler. So this is not a team at all to say the same things that we were even saying about Buffalo. This is not a team to say, oh, yeah, they have no chance. Mm-hmm. Because I think they are they almost beat the Bears. They only beat the Bears. Uh, they only lost to the Bears by three because Sam Bradford couldn't play anymore. Mm-hmm. You buried the lead. What's so the you're lead? talking to Rashad Hill. Of course. Pro football player. Uh-huh. And you decide to share a little story about the nature of how difficult it is for him to move to right to left tackle with what would be considered a very personal situation. Yeah, there's a... I, I just want to know how so, this sort of trade came... Like, ordinarily, if I was talking to a guy, I'd be like, yeah, that's tough, tell me about it. And he might say, well, it's like writing with your left hand, Judd. And I'd be like, that would be tough. I, I just am curious to know how this conversation transpired where it was something else with your left or right well, hand. For, well, first of all, um, Donald Penn got hurt this year. I believe it was a leg injury. And he was asked to move from left to right tackle with the Raiders because they drafted Colton Miller. And so a bunch of offensive linemen were on Twitter, Jeff Allen, Jeff Schwartz, a couple other guys, all discussing, because now I follow offensive line Twitter, so they're all discussing what it's like to move from one side to the other and how challenging that is, which is why they shouldn't have had Mike Remmers play left guard last year after he had played right tackle the whole season in the playoffs. But they were all discussing how tough it is to go from one side to the other, how everything has to change, and they described it as doing something very personal as opposed hmm. to the right to the uh, the left hand. Hmm. Hmm. That at least, okay, now I know how you got there. Yeah, so I then, was just curious right. how you got there. So then I told Rashad, hey, this other offensive lineman, who's a hell of a lot better than you in his day, said this. I didn't add that part, but seriously, like, you know. and he Did you do the, <laughs> the, 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 the dice motion or did you leave that out? Oh, I think you have the wrong thing. I think you've got the wrong personal thing that you're doing. Oh, because that's what was in my head. Oh, my. No, this would be a restroom thing. Oh, no, well, yeah. Oh, no, I thought what Matt, yeah, this isn't nearly, I thought you were, okay, forget it. No, no. Football. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this, this is not a, you've got the house to yourself. Oh, no, I thought it <laughs> that's was. That's what I thought. I was, that's, what I, that's what I thought. I thought the exact same that's thing. That's what I thought. Football. I love the transition. That's what I thought the whole time. I need well, that's that. what you thought that what I of thought. Of course that's yeah. what I thought. That football sounder, you know what? Next time Dawn and I have a falling out or a fight, I want that football sounder just to go through my house. So like when I'm done with the fight, I can just play football and we can go about football. our day. I mean, it's also a good it's a good Ooh. euphemism, right? Hey, hey, uh, hey honey, you want to uh, maybe go upstairs and football. <laughs> Don't give Collar any ideas. Yeah. So, anyway... Anyway, uh, uh, hey, the Vikings Rashad defense. Yeah. <laughs> he is, uh, but, hey, how about Sandejo being but, out on Sunday? But, talk about, talk about Sandejo. But I, I have talked to Rashad Hill enough times oh, where you could start with a little crack first or, uh, you know, <laughs> something like that. Because he's he is one of the best guys to deal with. Um, and I, I can see why they like him so much, that his personality is great for especially an offensive lineman. He doesn't seem to... You know, be too tightly wound, which I think you can really struggle if you're getting beat from time to time because you've got to bounce back quickly, and that's important. And he's going to get beat this week, and they've got to be ready for that. They've got to find ways to slow down Chandler Jones. He was the defensive player of the week last week. That could very well happen again for a guy who fumbles the ball a lot. And ordinarily, I'd sit here and say, okay, all these things, it doesn't matter because it's a rookie quarterback coming in against the Mike Zimmer defense. And that's like, that's always... 
the end of the argument for the last four years is so it's the a, Buffalo it's, game it's a, has thrown that completely out the correct. window. It's now. a young quarterback yeah. coming in against a Mike Zimmer defense, but here we sit. Well, and the other thing, too, about the way Arizona plays offensively is I think that they understand they don't run the ball well because their offensive line is worse than the Vikings and, and that they are dead last rated by pro football focus right now in offensive line. So there's uh, their line is horrific. And the, that's where the Vikings have a really great chance to get some turnovers, get a strip sack of their own, get a couple of, you know, have Sheldon Richardson blow up somebody and destroy a play. But they understand that they're not going to move the ball four or five yards at a time. Mm -hmm. So they just take shots. And Josh Rosen has a phenomenal arm. He's got tremendous downfield accuracy. So they might not move the ball really at all, but then they might hit on a 75-yard touchdown, which is what they did last week, and then cause some turnovers. San Francisco, look at the yards in that game. San Francisco doubled them in yards and lost by 10 points because Arizona caused turnovers and then hit on a couple of big plays. And what's the Vikings' problem been this year? It's been the big plays. They've given up the most 40-plus yard plays in the NFL so far this year and in the top 10 in 20-plus yard plays. And Mike McCoy is their offensive coordinator, right, in Arizona? I think so. I think so. And, I mean, he's 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 got the ability to dial some stuff up. I mean, he wasn't a great head coach with the Chargers, but he's – I mean, he he was known, I would think, as a, as a pretty good offensive mind, so I got to think he's – got something put together that the Vikings cannot sleep on at all. Sure, but you guys are also, I, I, I really feel like that Philadelphia game, that was such a make-or-break game for the Vikings. If, yeah. if that doesn't springboard you into, let's I'm not going to say a blowout win, but a comfortable spread-covering win by 10 points, 12 points, it would be disappointing to me. Really? If, yes. If they, if they well, don't... I'll take three. Because they have, it, it's, it's, if, if the goal is Super Bowl at the end of the year, you can't look clunky every other week against the Bills, against the Cardinals. You have to start taking care of business against teams that are of that caliber, where you win a game by 14 points and you're maybe even coasting in the fourth quarter. I want to see that. I think that that should happen from what their roster talent is and what the expectations are. It's just if you ask if you're 100% confident that they're going to go in and win the game, like it... I would have bet anything last year they were going to blast the Bengals, right? When they came in at the end of the year or the Chicago Bears, I would have put I would have put the house on it. Yeah, they're they're just going to come in and steamroll this team, no doubt about it. This is a different team though. This is one where you start to look at the other team and go, "Well, you know, I mean, if the Bills can hold them to 6 points, then this team maybe could cause some turnovers too or this team could Whatever, hit some big plays, throw a dump off check down to David Johnson you know what, and have it go for fifty five yards. The two thousand seventeen win against Tampa changed things. That that's why that's why I started to believe yep. this team is going to kick teams' butts at home. When when they beat Tampa like they did, you said to yourself, This is for real. And, and I don't I don't think you have I thought that we thought the Buffalo game would establish that. Yep. And it didn't. And when I've looked through, because I've been trying to figure out how seriously I should take five weeks of football. And so I was looking through some of the results from through five weeks last night. And I, I see that, you know, New England was one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL through the first five weeks of last year. And then their defensive mind, Bill Belichick, made changes and turned things around. And I'm not saying that Mike Zimmer is Bill Belichick, but as far as defensive minds go, he is the elite. 
and he has had the elite defenses, the number one defense in the league last year. So there is an argument to both be concerned that the Vikings could still pull another Buffalo-type game, but then also to look at it, the adjustments that they made against Philadelphia, they were able to pressure Carson Wentz, they were able to cause turnovers, and if Mike Zimmer can make those appropriate changes or continue to have those work, then maybe they've got fixed what ailed them early on in the season, and they'll start to roll from here. And when you look at it, Judd mentioned them going 3-1 and one in this next quarter. They have to, really, because the final two quarters of the season are extremely difficult. Unless some quarterbacks get hurt, they're going to be really, really tough, so they need it to start on Sunday. By the way, a bunch of people on Twitter thought the same thing that, that Judd and I thought that you were talking I about. I was something. convinced of that. Football. <laughs> I was absolutely convinced of that. <laughs> you dirty man, Matthew Collar. I, I mean, I, how was I supposed to put it? Like, I don't think I can really FCC say exactly what I mean with that. What well, an quote. uncensored version of the full anecdote yes. on the podcast. I was so fooled on. by it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have Sage Rosenfels, noted former NFL quarterback, when we come back to uh, break down Kirk Cousinsy things and other quarterbacky things, Judd Zolgat. But first time to talk to Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk. Not- 1500 ESPN. Let's take a quick look at your traffic. It is brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. Uh, things moving around rather smoothly around the metro, but we do have a few crashes for you. Uh, 35W northbound, if you're headed that way uh, near Lauderdale, uh, look out for a crash. That's between uh, Highway 36 and Ramsey County Road C. And uh, also, we have uh, 35W northbound, a crash in Richfield between American Boulevard and 494. But otherwise, everything else... Uh, going all right. Uh, Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Football. All right. Thank you, Manny. We've got Matthew Collar in here for the football hour. Mackie and Judd and Sage Rosenfels. Where are you on the uh, late night tailgate tour right now? Well, actually, I'm back in Omaha, Nebraska. Our uh, next couple dates got canceled because of the hurricane. It was Atlanta and Tallahassee and North Carolina, so they decided to not do them, and we'll be back uh, next week. Nice. Um, yeah, that is, uh, that's tough what's going on with the hurricane right now. What are you seeing right now after the Vikings, I don't know if they saved their season necessarily, but the fact that they've gone on the road, Philadelphia, Rams and Packers, all road games, and their passing game has looked excellent in all three of those stadiums against all three of those teams. What do you make of that? Well, they got a good quarterback, I'll tell you that, and he's not, you know, he's not perfect. He makes mistakes, but he's a dang good quarterback. They've got great rapport with his wide receivers and, and all the digs and feeling what they have done uh you know the first quarter of the season is, is absolutely, you know, spectacular. So, you know, I think that's the thing is you know, they've been behind uh, in a couple of these ball games too, they've so they've had to throw the ball out, which is why you've seen some of these, you know, record pace uh, things that Adam Thielen's doing, that Kirk Cousins is doing. Uh, yeah, yeah, obviously you wish that they could run the ball more, then they, and you wish they could be in the lead more, then they wouldn't have to throw the ball too much. So if you look at the entire Vikings uh, team of all the facets of, of the game uh, that they're doing really well, and you have to say throwing the football. Uh, is probably their strength right now. So, Sage, take me back and d- dissect the 68-yard play 
uh, on the cousin throw from the end zone on Sunday in this light. If you go back and watch that throw, Fletcher Cox is in his face. He is he is in in a position where I think a lot of, of QBs would have panicked. He didn't and makes a perfect throw. How difficult is that play, and, and how impressive is that throw? Because the one thing about it that struck me is it looked repeatable. It didn't look like a fluke. It looked planned out, and, and it looked like an ability that he's got with his arm. He's got that arm talent and strength to make that throw. Well, the Cousins throws the ball. He does a great job of keeping his base, and that when he follows through, he doesn't actually sort of you know, like a pitcher. He does not come through his left side. He a lot of times even keeps his right foot you know, actually in place. And so, you know, to be able to do that and create as much power as he does, it allows him to make a lot of throws and not truly step into them, is that sort of classic phrase that we hear about quarterbacks. You know, does he step into his throws? There's a lot of times where you can't. There's just somebody basically sitting right in your lap. Somebody's coming in on you, and you have to throw it really from with your back foot on the ground, almost more like a major league baseball hitter, you know, keeping his right foot his weight on, on that right side, and that you, know, you actually see that a lot uh, when you watch Kirk Cousins play. There's a lot of times where there's somebody that's that's coming in on him. There's some that's sort of standing right in his space, uh, and he still can get a strong throw off. And so obviously he saw that matchup. He saw a hitch and go. Uh, you got one-on-one. Uh, it, it's a great spot when you're backed up to, to take a chance. A lot of teams try to just get that first down. One of the best things to do is just if you get single coverage out there, why not just throw a uh, you know forty fifty yard down the field? So it's obviously you know it's it is pretty amazing by the way with Adam Thielen, you know he had a great rapport with Sam Bradford, a great rapport uh, with Case Keenum last year, and now I mean, almost immediately, uh, you know obviously he's working very very well with his quarterback Kirk Cousins, and so yeah, that was a very impressive throw. Obviously the timing and all that stuff was great, but really the way Cousins could throw that football with all that heat you know pressure right in his face. Sage, it seems like Kirk Cousins has gotten on the same page pretty quickly with John Filippo, and we could set an all-time record here, Sage, of two years in a row where fans like the offensive coordinator. I think that that would be a record, <laughs> right? Uh, because, yeah, I mean, you know, usually, right? Don't fans usually well, sit at home? I don't and, think. I don't think. I don't think the fans loved uh, Daryl Bevel all that much when he was the coordinator when I was there in 2009, and we had like I, I don't think we had a record season, but we probably had a top five Vikings offense of all time. We were we were pretty high powered offense. The Vikings fans weren't love at Bevel by any means, but yeah, I mean, obviously, so far uh, you got to be pretty happy with uh, you know the way they've thrown the football and the way you know these two have worked together. You know, that was a big question mark coming into the season. Uh, that I kept trying to tell people, you know, like everyone's, you know, hey, we got this new quarterback and we got Sheldon Richardson on defense. And I'm saying, listen, uh, the quarterback's great and, and, you know, having Richardson's great, but, you know, I'm, my concern is the offensive coordinator. You know, that, that's a huge change. That's a whole new voice in the room, uh, in particular on top of the fact that Mike Zimmer's a defensive guy, so he's pretty much, you know, he hands over the entire offense, you know, to this coach. That's a huge responsibility. Uh, so for me, that was a, a huge aspect of this team that I was, you know, going to keep a close eye on. You know, much I sort of knew what Cousins was going to do. I, I've seen him in the past. I've seen a lot of the things that he's done. I had not, I had personally not seen a lot of, you know, John D. Filippo's offense. And yeah, through so far throwing the football, I'm very happy with it. Running the football, you know, that would be an aspect. I, I, I think if you ask Mike Zimmer, uh, hey, if you're, you know, one of the best in the league at throwing the football, one when, when and you're one of the worst in the league at running the football, would you be happy? He'd probably say no. Uh, I think that you know they they really need to run the football, try to run the football more. Of course, if you can get the lead, they can run it more in the fourth quarter. But yeah, obviously throwing the football so far, he and Cousins 
uh, have, have very much been on the same page. At least it looks like that from afar. Sage, we liked Bev fine. You know exactly why. Why <laughs> It was guilt by association with Bev, and you know why. It was Chili from 2006 call, calling plays incompetently that soiled Bevel in this town forever. <laughs> well, that was a kick-ass offense in 2009, I'll say that. It really was. It was. It was the KAO. Hashtag. We got to bring that back. Hashtag KAO. The other guy that people hated in this town was Bill Musgrave. And it wasn't It wasn't really as much the play calling. I mean, Judd hated his play calling, but it was the tiny play card, Sage. The people thought, well, wait a second. Well, why do all these other coordinators have a full Denny's menu, two pages, and this dude's so got like this a... this big thing yeah. Sean Payton has. It's, it's, right. it's massive. This yeah. dude's got a cue card or something, or a little note card for a play card. Yeah, but, yeah, Ben McAdoo had like the Cheesecake Factory menu. But I tell you what, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the Washington State coach, the old uh, Texas Tech coach? I can't think of Mike Leach. Mike Leach. Mike Leach, yeah, he has like a, he has like a five by seven note card. He has like seven plays in his entire offense. He throws for, you know, 6,000 yards in college every year or something like yeah. that. So, you know, I, I think the, the, you know, I personally, I like working with Phil. Uh, you know, he was sort of a sort of a Kubiak guy. You know, they they played together back in way back in the day, uh, and I think he is actually coached by Kubes as well. So we, he and I sort of had that in common. I understood his offense. Uh, I think the biggest, you know, it's really easy to not like the coordinator when the quarterback's not very good, and that's sort of what he had when he was here with the, as the Vikings uh, offensive coordinator. Can you give us an example from the various playbooks that you have been through? One of the most complicated play calls you've ever had to spit out in the huddle. Oh, man. Well, there's a famous one, and I can't think of it off the bat, but there was a famous, like, West Coast goal line play I learned at my rookie year. You'll hear, like, Matt Hasselbeck talk about it all the time. You probably hear his brother Tim talk about it, too. Uh, it's called, like, brown right, A right, uh, sprint right, G, U, corner, halfback, slide, or something like that. Football. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Matthew Collar has dimmed the lights after that. <laughs> <laughs> Brown right, A right, sprint right, G, U corner, fullback slide. Football! Football! Yeah! Football! So, what the hell does that mean? Is it just like a handoff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Halfback dive. That's, a, that's, all, that's all it is. It's a quarterback sneak. It's just a fancy way of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you said 20 seconds, jet right, X left, well, actually, I'm just going to drive up the middle behind these fat guys. As, as the clock runs hey, Sage, out. <laughs> Sage, though, what, why does the, the West Coast call for such elaborate play calls, though? It's, it, why is that, or who, who decided that it was going to be this extended verbiage that doesn't really end? Well, you know, I don't think it's just the West Coast. I, I was in, you know, North Turner's offense had a lot of language. He had a sort of a number system that he would use as sort of the route tree as you worked across from your single receiver, say your X receiver, and then to the other side, your tight end receivers, uh, and your Z receiver, and then your backs. And so, yeah, I mean, North had, you know, twins right motion, scat right 525 up post swing. And is that even easier? I don't know. I and mean, that seems pretty you know, complicated and, and, and mouthy as well. I, I think the thing is in football is that if you really look at what happens during a play, you know, we're sitting here in, say, the press box, and we're looking down, you know, that they break the huddle and what happens. A lot of times there's a shift, you know, a tight end shifts to one side or the other, so you have to come up with a word with that. A lot of times there's a motion, so you have to have another word with that. Uh, you have to have the protection uh, on a pass play, which, 
you know, there's a million ways to protect uh, uh, with the offensive line. Or for the Vikings, there's not many, but yeah. Yeah, then you have to have the route combination, and, you know, you have five guys going out in routes, and so, you know, you can call the play, you know, Old Brown Shoe, and just everyone remembers what Old Brown Shoe is, but a lot of times you run Old Brown Shoe, but then you want to tag something a little bit different, uh, say Z to run a go route rather than a comeback just because you like that matchup. And so at the end of the day, you end up having this pretty, uh, you know, wordy uh, phrase for running about the middle for a two-yard loss. So, Sage, to your point then, what was the biggest playbook that you, the largest playbook that you could remember in your career? Like how many, how many, how many plays? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, you know, hundreds, five, you know, 400, 500. I mean, you know, just every sort of pass play you can think of versus every coverage you can think of. But actually, when you go into a, a real game, uh, there might be, you know, 80 pass plays, uh, something like that. But then they have, like, multiple different formations for each one. And, you know, if they really like this one pass play, they might have two or even three, you know, different formations to get into it. If you think about, you know, you, you might use it more than once in the football game. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it ends up being a lot. But that, that's the reason with the system is that you can't, if you just walk out there and, and just said, you know, a couple of words for an entire play and then had, you know, hundreds of those, it'd be impossible. But if you, if you come out with, you know, hey, you, you do the shift, then you do that motion, and then you end up in a, a certain formation, you have a protection and you, you have the route. And so you, you sort of break it down into individual parts. So when it all sort of comes together, uh, you know, it looks like it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's not that complicated, but, you know, when there's, there's so many, I said, there's so many different ways to line people up into motion and, you know, to, to where, you, where you want to put receivers and, and how it all works. You know, football is a very complex game, and, and I think teams try every year to, to minimize uh, or, or to just lessen some of that verbiage, and I think actually that's, that's occurred a lot, uh, you know, more recently. I think teams have, you know, gone to less verbiage, but then what they started doing is, you know, they let just add two or even three plays in the huddle uh, and, you know, call them all together. So it's, uh, yeah, you know, coaches have a lot of time on their hands. They're paid very well. They have the entire offseason. They're not recruiting like college coaches. They're not out on the road. Uh, you know, they are in those, uh, those meetings and offices, you know, coming up with new concepts and new plays and, and, and new ideas. And a lot of times those end up being pretty dang wordy. This reminds me of one of my favorite moments covering the Vikings when Sam Bradford first got traded to Minnesota and he's doing his first podium session. And one of the reporters asks, so isn't there a certain element, Sam, of just going out there and slinging it around like it's the backyard? And Sam almost <laughs> fell guy. over. He was just, like, the look on his face, I mean, he usually didn't change much, but this time it did. He was just like, <laughs> what? like what did you just say? Like, And he just goes, no, it's not. It's not like no, that. it's no, really it's not, it's not like that at all. It's insulting. That, that's that's the whole thing. I will say this though, you know, uh, at least in my career, and I think you know, if you ask a lot of quarterbacks this, if you just give us the plays that we run in two minute, you know, you usually have about twelve or fifteen different plays to choose from, and during a two minute drill, if you give me those plays, at least pass plays, I feel like I could get through an NFL game and probably actually play fairly well with just those plays, those sort of basic concepts. You line up in a two-by-two two or a three-by-one set, no motions, no shifts, you know, simple uh, uh, simple pass protections, and, you know, let's just line up so I can see the defense and, and you know, try to get some completions. But, uh, 
you know, that doesn't seem to be the way football is usually played. Just roll football. the football out there. Let's roll it out. Just roll it out there, Sage. Pick it up and huck it. You're six four. Yep. <laughs> Sage, good Thanks, stuff, Sage. man. Thanks, we'll Sage. Talk, talk to you. Later. Bye. <laughs> All right, guys. Happy Friday. All right, see you, man. Yeah. Sage, you can find Sage too and Matthew twice a week on the Purple Podcast hey, talking football. That Sage. stuff is great, though. I I love that oh play God. calling stuff. It might be really geeky, but it's really interesting. It also tells you a lot about just the type of person you have to be to be a successful NFL quarterback. And they could try to chop it down and mitigate some shortcomings or whatever else. But if you're Jamarcus Russell and you just don't feel like working real hard to try and be good at this, then you're going to fail. Did I tell you guys the Jamarcus Russell, John D. Flippo story? No. Tell it when we come back. I would love to, Phil. look at that. Football. Welcome back to the Football Hour, where Matthew Collar has a story for us. What was, or, I, what was I talking about? It was uh, John DiFilippo, <laughs> and who was the other oh, guy? Yeah, Jamarcus Russell. Some other guy. Jamarcus yeah, Russell. we were talking about the, um, so just how much quarterbacks need to know. And if you listen to Sage, your head's probably spinning and thinking, okay, maybe I couldn't be a professional quarterback, even though I can huck it around uh, backyard, even though I can throw it over them mountains. To uh, what was right, Uncle that? Rico. Uh, yeah, Uncle yeah. Rico. Yeah, Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite. Yeah. Over the mountains. So, uh, Kirk Morrison was a linebacker for Oakland. He turned into media personality. And he was on some show, I think Rich Eisen, telling this story about Jamarcus Russell. John DeFilippo was his quarterback's coach at that time. So, obviously, it was all DeFilippo's fault and he should be fired by the Vikings. Clearly. Uh, and so, I. I guess DiFilippo gave him a CD back when we used CDs way back then. And he said to Jamarcus, all right, I've got some cut-ups here on this CD. I want you to look at these, go through them. It's a bunch of different plays, and just tell me which ones you're most comfortable with tomorrow. So he comes back, and he says, okay, the next day, Jamarcus, uh, what you say? What'd you see? What would you think? And he said, no, man, I'm, I'm comfortable with all that stuff. Anything you want to do, I can do it. <laughs> and DeFlippo's like, yeah, that's a blank CD. Wow. That CD has nothing on it that I get. Wow. So. <laughs> wow. That's amazing, that, but not amazing. And at it the same tells time. you everything you need to know. And you just think about the successful quarterbacks and how hard they work at it. And that's where sometimes with certain quarterbacks, when you get like, oh, it's just the athleticism that he does it with. And, and that's very true on some plays where you see Carson Wentz last night. Oh, my gosh. Escaping the pocket, throwing back across. He did the perfect went through his progressions, and then you go back to the first progression, right? And he found him in the back of the end zone. It was a beautiful touchdown, freakish athletic play. You see it from Patrick Mahomes. Like, all sorts of quarterbacks now are great athletes. But what it usually comes down to is dedication and work ethic that goes along with that. And that's where, with someone like Kirk Cousins, this is how Case Keenum outworked his talent. This is why Teddy Bridgewater understood defenses brilliantly. This is, you know, even Sam Bradford worked extremely hard and knew where he was supposed to go with the football. His just freaking knee couldn't stay healthy. But these guys are all successful at the NFL level in part because they put so much into understanding all the stuff that Sage Rosenfels laid out for us. Yeah. That, that's why Favre, too, when, when he got dealt to the Jets, couldn't stand it because he didn't know that system. Mm-hmm. He he wanted to come here because, one, of course, he was trying to stick it to the Packers again, but the second most important thing, and very close to one, was he knew the system mm-hmm. inside out, and he knew that he basically knew that he could step in, in here and run this thing as a pseudo OC himself. Yeah, because he knew every play call. He knew Childress was going to basically try and control things, but he couldn't. But that's that's why. 
The great Favre thing is, his first year, he looked at Detmer and finally said, what's the nickel? And Detmer's like, Brett, what are you talking about? He goes, I don't know what nickel is, really. <laughs> and Detmer's like, it's when they have five defensive backs on the field, Brett. He's like, oh, is that it? He just doesn't care. It just doesn't. Yeah, but I, I don't mean, think he ever saw like, defenders. He just saw like but, the, the receivers he was going to throw to. So the thing with that is... A lot of times, because of Favre's personality, you'd be like, oh, he's kind of aloof. He is the gunslinger and everything else. But then when you watch the Gruden QB camp thing that he did with Favre, obviously well after Favre was retired, when they went back through their old stuff, he knew the offense so in and out perfectly that you could tell how much work he had put into understanding that. So even though he did have those moments, and he loves to tell stories. I I don't know, maybe it's just Ty Detmer that he loves to tell stories about because Detmer had no arm. But, you know, Detmer would be like, I can't believe you made that throw. And he's like, yep, because I can. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he's one of the only people ever who can. I was just going back and watching the uh, game against Oakland the other night. Oh. Just somebody tweeted about it on his birthday. So I After went back his dad died? The whole game. Oh, that's uh, great game. And, I mean, the... The arm strength of some of the throws is just otherworldly, but also there's reads in there, and there's also calculated risks that go on where you'd be like, oh, he just slung it down the field, right? But when you got a bit a wider look at that play, it was either check it down to a fullback up by two touchdowns or sling it down to the three-yard line. Well, why not just sling it down to the three-yard line? It's a better percentage play. You know, could I have checked down to the fullback? Maybe. Maybe. The throw into triple coverage at about the three to Javon, Javon Walker, Walker is one yep. of the most incredible. I swore that was like an act of yeah. God right there. Yeah. Because you're like, there's uh, no way that that ball doesn't get picked. Hey, in our total change of subject, but in our last 90 seconds with Matthew Collar before we wrap with Ricey, official statement from the Miami Heat. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's a story about Pat Riley... Essentially, telling it, there's like multiple reports that Pat Riley told Tom Thibodeau to go a, a mother bleeper, go bleep himself when the Wolves tried to switch the trade at the last minute. Go, That's why uh, talks spend blew some up. private time with himself. Yes, <laughs> or with a close family member. Football. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so here's this is from the official Heat Twitter account. Okay, Pat Riley statement. As to what has been reported in the past 24 hours, I have too much respect for Tom Thibodeau and all that he's accomplished in this league. Our conversations have been nothing but cordial, and I have never used that kind of language in negotiations. Sure. <laughs> but, but I do admit to telling Danny Ainge to dot, dot, dot. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's good, yeah. <laughs> and, he de- and he definitely told Tibbs, too. Sorry. But it's, it, it's a dot, dot, dot. That's and then, awesome. And then is, that the, is there another part of the quote? Or oh, no. Just doesn't like no, Danny no. Ainge? That is classic That's Pat a stand-up act. That is classic <laughs> Pat Riley. We need more press releases that have jokes. Yes, yep, like, exactly. This is yes. only the NBA would have a press release well, I love or official the league statement. So much, man. Only, yes. only the NBA. NBA Twitter has now spilled over into Pat Riley's statements through the Heat Twitter account. <laughs> so, uh, find Matthew Collar on the Purple Podcast and all of his wonderful written work at fifteen hundred ESPN dot com. We wrap with Roycey when we come. All right, welcome back to the show. We we wrap with Roycey to end every show here, and today we get in studio Patrick. Not because he was generous enough to come in here and hang out with us, but he's actually filling in on my talk 107.1 today. So. We're gonna kick your arse today, yeah. man. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna we're gonna give you a drubbing. That's that's like <laughs> that's like telling the Cleveland Browns you're gonna kick their arse, man. But thank you. Or the St. Louis Browns. Sure. I have a list from John Heyman from a fan. It's fancredsports.com. I have a question for you. Why doesn't Heyman, with all the scoops he get, move to a better outlet? You don't think the athletic has made an advance at him? I'm sure they have, haven't they? I don't know. 
I don't know. But he's, I mean, what is he, Fan Rag or whatever it used to be called. Did Fan Rag change to Fan Cred? I don't know. But. Well, Fan Cred Sports has John Heyman with four or five names for Twins managerial candidates. And I'm guessing he's not just, I'm, no. I'm guessing this is sourced information. He's not right? making, yeah, he's not making it up. He says, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here, but former Giants hitting coach Hensley, is it Mullins? Henry Hensley Mullins, yeah. Astros bench coach Joe Espada. Uh, who's probably going to be the uh, uh, Rangers manager. Okay. He said they're already hot on him. He throws Derek Shelton in the mix, Twins bench coach. And then, and then there's this name that I think most people are familiar with, Rays coach Rocco Baldelli. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, he's, uh, I don't know, Italians in Minnesota. If I was him, I wouldn't come here the way they've been falling off. But, uh, you know, uh, Rocco Baldelli, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, he's uh What's he doing down there, bench coach, you said? But I think that would be somebody to consider, sure. And I'm sure that's a good list, too. I'm sure he's not making it up. But, uh, you know, there's, what, six teams looking. That's, yes. There's, you're in a competition here. You got, these guys said they were going to sit around and wait for several weeks. I don't think you can afford to if you got somebody you want because there's so many teams looking. What's your thought, Patrick, on, on the plan for the, uh, for the third baseman? who I guess is not in trouble now back no. home, mm-hmm. but now it sounds like the plan is we're going to check in with him on a regular basis and yes. hold our breath that by checking in and calling him every 10 days and seeing him once in a while, it's going to work. Yeah, they said some of them were going to be personal uh, personal visits to well, eyeball him, but the other ones would be phone calls. Okay, uh, you know, calling up and experience. Expecting Miguel to tell you the truth if he gained twenty is uh, is a uh, pretty uh, much of a leap of faith. You but you certainly, time him with no shirt on. That's that's the. <laughs> but it does. Call. If you can believe anything he says, he did see the benefits of how he felt just walking around being twenty five pounds lighter. So, you know, like his I, confidence I mean, was up, or. No, no, I think he just felt better than lugging his fat ass around to get it. I I know the feeling, you know. His heart uh, palpitations you know, were minimal. Even a first-class seat wasn't wide enough for him and that, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I, I think he probably, maybe he did find out that, hey, you know, when I walk down the beach in the Dominican at 250, the girls like me better. I don't know what, but uh, something will motivate him, hopefully, but... Uh, there's, I wrote this the other day, and I, I think we've talked about it. You can't make any plans. Their problem is they can't make any plans. They don't know if the center fielder can play, and they don't know if the third baseman yeah, can play. You're in the same and they spot. don't even know about the right fielder, to be honest. You're in the same spot with well, with all three of those guys as you were two years ago. Yes. Where you, two years ago, you went, into, you went into spring training in the season, and you thought, man, if those guys click this year, yes, and well, you're I'm... literally going into their age 25 seasons or mm-hmm. whatever they are with the same feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's really a quandary for the uh, for the fellas to figure out what they want to do, uh, where they're going to spend their money. They're going to have plenty of it. Even okay, they got twenty five million right now. So you give Eddie whatever. Eddie's going to get eight, right? And if, you know, Gibby's. You're going to have to give Gibby a three year contract. But if you spend another twenty five or thirty on what you already got, you still got what forty million dollars. Are they going to spend it? I don't know. Is there any sense in spending it unless you're, you know? But what are I mean at at this point too, Pat? What what are the biggest areas of need? I mean, could they go get another bullpen arm? Do they need another starter? Is there? 
Well, that's what I mean. Do we know if third base is a need? Do we know if center field is a need? I mean, Jake Cabe's your center fielder. If it's not Buxton, you want to, you know, he's, he's acceptable, I guess, but he's not a winning player. And that gives you three left-handed hitting outfielders, too. So. How do they feel? What's your sense on how they feel about the catcher position? Because Castro is slated to come back, and he had the injury this year and missed most of the year. But how should they feel good about that position, or do they need to look elsewhere? I don't think they should feel good about it. But I think Garver's a guy that you can play 60 games a year and then play him at first. If Joe's not around, you can also play him at first base. And uh, I don't think Joe's going to be around. So I think Garver's a fairly valuable player. I think a catcher's low on their priority list. Plus, they got Willie. You got Willie. Ostadio, he did fine. Are you prepared to protest still? Yes. If he, they take him off the, the 40, man. So you're, you're going to have to make your way through all the construction site. If they take him off the 40, man, we're marching. We're marching. <laughs> now I have to go around the plaza? Well, they're the going to redo statue. the plaza, I guess, now. So you're, you're going to have to sort of That's good. make your yeah. way around the construction. Don't redo the fall. roster. Don't redo the roster. Redo the plaza. More beers. More bars. More foods. More bars. Did I not make that? Hey, write that down. <laughs> I made that. I write that down. We will have a bar added to Target Field before opening day. Why? Whatever. The the one that you hated. Guys like Reavers and I exist. The one you hated. I went in there a couple of times last year. You could have shot a machine gun off and not wounded anybody. <laughs> what was the hell is the name of that place that it was dying so bad they used to have to put it on Fox? During the broadcast to say, hey, come on. and What was the name of that place? The old Bat and Barrel. Bat and Barrel. It's because they sabotaged the Metropolitan Club. Bat and Empty, it should have been called. <laughs> and now they're going to build more bars. What a bunch of dummies. You know how many people they're going to actually have at games next year? About 15,000, if they're lucky. This is a disaster. And uh, who, who are you going to sell a season ticket to next year? I, I don't know. It's It's... They, people say, ah, the poll ads, they just, they're still collecting their money. They have gone from $3.2.5 million to $1.9 million, and that's padded. Yeah. I mean, they've lost. How, how long can you people can keep thinking that this is a poll ad plot? He's lost 40% of his audience. Every time when you go there now, half the, bars, half the uh, concession stands are closed. Uh, the whole the whole target field experience. This is a disaster, and it's going to get worse. Yeah, uh, Pat, your thoughts on Gophers Ohio State this weekend? Uh, What's the well, now? is it is it thirty? What is this? Twenty nine and a half. What is it? Twenty nine. Listen, listen. It's not hopeless. The Gophers first played them in nineteen twenty one, and we've beaten them three times down there. So uh, <laughs> don't uh, you know. We've uh, our boys have won two of the last forty against them, so well, and the, we got a shot. We got a shot. They won down there. Was when Mace won down. Mace there won down there in two thousand. Right? They were rated number six in the country. Well, they had Steve Belisari or whatever the lefty was their quarterback back then for Ohio State. I think. Yeah, they weren't. They, that wasn't a great Ohio State team, but they they did win down there. We don't do it a lot. There were seven, and uh, the Gophers once led this series three games to two. Now they trail it uh, forty-five to Hooray. seven. So there's been a little trend against us here. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. 
All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.